0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. Tonight, my guest is Connie, and Connie is a new friend. For those of you who are listening that are part of the Calvary Mac family— you may or may not have met Connie, but I am pretty certain that you have met one of her family members. And so, Connie, welcome. Thank you for being here. And I, before we dive into your story, I was hoping you could share just how you're connected to Calvary Mac um, specifically. And, you know, maybe there's even a little story you can tell on our uh, dear friend. So, my name is Connie Root. So, that should give you a clue that my
1: little brother is Wes Root he's the youth minister here and i remember when i i did my college graduation i believe about 2012 2013 wes had come up to see me graduate and he brought his family with him and while he was here he was invited by the uh, by the calvary mac family to to you know, maybe become the youth minister and i'm i'm really proud of my little brother he he's really good with kids and he just has a a great way with connecting with the youth group and just lots of fun I remember him having dreadlocks when we were in high school, and then he'd cut his hair really short and everything, and so now he has dreadlocks again, and I was kind of apprehensive. I thought, oh, no, but, you know, it's it's kind of Wes's thing, and it's really cool, so, yeah. And I love calling him my little brother. It's a little ironic, you know. I'm this short five-foot-five five person, and both both Wes and his twin Clayton are over six feet tall. So they're my little brothers. And it's, I just love the irony. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: For anybody who hasn't met Wes or maybe is new to visiting Calvary Mac and they maybe aren't sure who we're talking about at first, oh, you know, the guy with the dreadlocks that does the youth ministry that's on the drums. Oh yeah. Then everybody knows who Wes is. So we, we really appreciate him. We appreciate all that he does. And and we're so glad he has you for his sister. And that uh, as actually his wife, Lauren, who got us connected for this. So thank you, Lauren, for making this connection. We always love Story Night nominees. It's fantastic. (laughs) So now, uh, Connie, I was hoping you can, you know, maybe tell us where your life is at this moment, but then we're really going to go back and share your story. And I know that there are a lot of women who will identify with a lot of pieces of what you've been through and what you're currently in the middle of. And that's one thing that's going to be really special about this story in particular. A lot of times when women share, they're sharing generally chapters that are more or less complete. And and we're really going to talk about a chapter that isn't complete right now. It really is where we're, you're sort of in the heart of it. Um, and so often women will sort of wait until a chapter is done before they share their story. And I just appreciate you diving in when a current chapter isn't complete.
1: Okay. So I, I currently live in Newburgh and I'm, I'm by myself right now. I was diagnosed with cancer about a year and a half ago. It was February, 2019. So that's currently what I'm dealing with. That's my current Problem or <laughs> the chapter that I'm going through yeah. right now. So I'll start with my story. I lived in I've lived in Oregon all but like three years of my life, and my I was actually born in Idaho, but like when I was a baby, we moved over here, and so the twins were born at the McMinnville Hospital, and I love it. One of my nieces, she goes, "Oh, you guys were born at the Walgreens." <laughs> yes, the, ho- the hospital used to be where Walgreens is. Very funny. But basically, I lived in McMinnville from the time I was born until high school, except for those three little years in the middle. And then in the last 20 years or so, I've lived in Newburgh. When I was about nine, my, my mom got remarried to uh, my stepfather. He and my dad weren't getting along very well, and mom just decided it was a good idea to move to Idaho. So that's the three years that we weren't here in Oregon. And my stepfather was, he was a, a very difficult person. He He seemed to enjoy inflicting pain on us. And it was really hard for us. So to the point where I think that we were kind of stunted. Well, I know personally that I was stunted socially and uh, probably emotionally from, from how bad he, he really terrorized us. And I mean, I grew up with Wes and Clay, you know, they kind of had, they have a little bit different take on things, but, you know, we all kind of had the same kind of, I'd say trauma from that, but, you know, we've come out from pretty good. I I think considering we come out from pretty good. We one of the ways that uh, mom used to teach us Bibles we've known about the Bible and Jesus pretty much our entire lives. When we were little, she bought us this great big huge storybook, Bible storybook, and it was like multicolored and everything. She would read a story she would like to read to us before we went to bed and she'd read us stories out of that. So, you know, we've we've gone through that and we didn't go to church on a pretty regular regular basis. I, I'd say that our experience with church was kind of eclectic it was oh we might go here we might go then when we were in Idaho with Dan church was a great escape it was a place to go to get away from anything to get away from Dan so yeah my stepfather was just and it was kind of a distraction I knew about God I knew about Jesus I knew about going to church but it really didn't mean a lot to me until I was in high school uh, in high school, I got hooked up with a youth group. I really connected with other people and really enjoyed that. Went to camp. I met bunches of people from that denomination in different cities that all kind of came to camp together, and so I met different people. And then I decided to get baptized when I was at when I was at the church, and I stayed with that church for a while. And then uh, I was actually doing Sunday school. Mm-hmm. I was teaching Sunday school. At one point, I the church. I didn't like something they did. And I was kind of young. I was like 20 years old. So I didn't really understand myself because of my emotional stuntedness. I had a a little bit of trouble expressing that I was unhappy with it. The church decided that this, this girl had gotten pregnant and they decided that she couldn't have her baby shower at the church. And I just didn't like that. It seemed, you know, wrong to me, but I couldn't describe what exactly I felt about it. I could tell you now it was not showing love like I believe that Jesus shows to everyone. So it it was wrong to me. And so and rather than trying to explore it and figure it out, I just quit. I just and I stopped
0: going. You know, I so appreciate that you recognize that now looking back, because I think almost all of us have an experience like that where something doesn't sit right with us. Something maybe something we disagree with a little bit or wholeheartedly or something feels off, or maybe we can't put our finger on it, or maybe we can. But exactly what you said, often we don't wrestle with it or bring it up or talk about it or analyze it, we quit. And in some situations, it's sort of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And if you look at any church family, there are things that should be thrown out. There are things that are not right and that are not good, but that usually doesn't mean all of it needs to be thrown out and discarded. So I, I just appreciate you noticing that and, and talking about that. And I know that your quitting didn't last forever, and, and we'll we'll get to that, but I just wanted to encourage anybody out there who has maybe felt scarred by or disheartened by or disillusioned with or whatever, a church family that it's okay to not agree with everything. And if you've quit in the past, I encourage you to to pray. <laughs> God's people and God's body make a lot of mistakes, but he doesn't. Right. And so after you quit, what was the next chapter for you? Well, I would definitely echo,
1: yeah, what you said. If you feel something's wrong, there's no, no reason why you can't bring that up. And we're made of broken people. And it's not about church it's about god it's about jesus i have a different church family i i go to a different church personally than here but that doesn't mean i mean that's where i'm supposed to be that's where god wants me it's it's not about church it's about it's about god it's about jesus it's about all of that love so i'm seconding that my next chapter after that after quitting was like shortly after that i got married and because of my emotional stuntedness i kept thinking i don't want this 3 years of that was terrible in my life to be the focus so i just kind of put it away on a shelf and didn't talk about it and unfortunately that's not the way to handle things and and you stick it on a shelf in a box and it kind of oozes out later it came out whenever so my my ex-husband and I were married for about 20 years and he was I would say my stepfather Dan was controlling my my ex-husband was also controlling that's about the the nicest thing that anyone ever said to me was yeah I like Todd he's he's okay but he's got some control issues I'm like nobody else liked him we put up with him for you (laughs) thank you So clearly I made a bad choice there, but a lot of it was, well, I made this choice. I need to stand by it. And then I think a lot of women do that. They get married. They have made the wrong choice for whatever reason. And they didn't really, you know, plan it out ahead of time very well. And I didn't, I just kind of thought this will do. And that's really not the way to get married, (laughs) especially, but you know, when you're like 20 or 21 and you don't know any better. Yeah. So. He kind of ran things until he got to a point where uh, he couldn't handle things anymore. And he started taking drugs, unbeknownst to me. uh, How was I supposed to notice? All of a sudden, his behavior started becoming a little odd. And I kept moving the line of what was odd until I finally had to take over things. And uh, my parents asserted themselves, saying, we're concerned for your safety. We really think you should move out. No, he hasn't done anything to, to hurt me. And then and then he did. I was like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I'm ready. So after things kind of went bad, I moved in with my parents for safety, which was good. And I was there a short period of time. And then I moved into my own apartment, and I got to flourish. I got to grow. I got to live. And uh, all this time I've been trying to connect with Wes. I had been trying to get back to church the last part of my marriage. And any time I would suggest doing something like that, he would never come out and say what I was doing was wrong. He just made me pay for it if I made the wrong choice. So uh, it was kind of like, mm, this is, you know, what do I do? Do I do this and pay for it? Because <laughs> I really wanted to get back to church. His his mother was really involved in church and, I, and uh, doing some spiritual things, and I really missed that part. But, you know, so Wes was like, hey, you know, they've got this Bible app. He asked me, do you have a Bible? No. So I got that for Christmas, which was cool. I got a, I have a Bible I have that I got from Wes and Lauren for Christmas.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then he says, you know, they've got this app. It's the version app. And you know, they've got these different things in there. And he said, you're going through divorce. So maybe you can like research some, some of these little different, uh, plans they have for divorce month. Okay. So I, I read one and I just loved it. And it recommended in it that I go to a divorce support group or divorce care. What in the world is divorce care? So of course, you know, you can look anything up on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Good. So I looked it up and they had a book with like devotionals each day and they also could send it to you via email. So I bought the book and I was reading it at my own pace rather than waiting for things to come to me each day. And I got hooked up with a group in Tualatin called Rolling Hills Community Church. They are so connected with their community. There's so many different things they, they do to be connected with their community. They, they have a, a food night they call Hope's Table where they feed the homeless. They have washing and a night that they have homeless stay there. And they're kind of in a community of different churches that kind of trade off nights that they, that they help the homeless during the winter. They've got a f- connection with the Borland Free Clinic, which is like a medical facility. They've got sh- Children's Northwest where they help provide clothing and things for kids. There's a food pantry. There's all kinds of stuff there. And it's just amazing how connected they are with the community. If Rolling Hills was not there, there would be a loss, a big loss in the community there. So, I mean, that impressed me. And I got to see all of that wandering through this huge church, trying to find the room where I was supposed to go to, to go to divorce care. And, and I kept thinking, well, I'll just get out of this what I need. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And about halfway through divorce care, I was like, you know what? You need to choose. You you either decide you're going to de- devote yourself to being with Jesus and with God or not pick. You can't sit there and ride the fence anymore. And I chose. And when I did decide to choose that, I went to different churches and and I went with several of my friends. And I'm sitting there talking to one of my friends. and She says, so you haven't picked a church yet? I really think I should go to Rolling Hills, but it's so big and I'm worried about being lost. And I just don't, it's such a big place. I mean, it's, it's huge. And she says, well, you know, she was uh, teaching Bible study where she goes. She says, we just had a, a, a lesson this week where each time God makes a move in your life, the evil one, the devil will, will try and tempt you out of it. So she gave me examples like the Garden of Eden, the second that they were, committed in there. Then the serpent tempted them to eat the fruit. And then when Jesus, when he got baptized, he was out in the wilderness for 40 days and Satan's out there trying to tempt him to, to do different things. And and she's, she says, you know, I think that maybe that may be where you're at. So you're just basically telling me I need, I need to jump in with both feet and make a choice. Okay. So I did. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I went there and I felt this is home. This is where I need to be. And after that. That first day, I met so many good people. it was amazing. I just threw myself into church and all of the programs they've got all kinds of classes I had like beginners beginner Bible classes reading through like Ephesians and this is how we read through it start so seeking the lost where you try and you tell your story to someone and try and get them to come to Christ and make a make a commitment and things like that so I mean I've been through the gambit of stuff i've I had a Bible study I was doing that was, why do you believe that? So if you understand what you believe, maybe you can explain it to someone else better. Just a a whole bunch of stuff that just really spoke to me. And I was, I knew that was home. And so I had been attending there as a full-fledged member since about 2018, uh, June, 2018. And I was getting ready to go to women's retreat. I wasn't feeling well. I wanted to go to the doctor's office, but they were full. And they said, well, we can send you to this quick thing. Sure. I thought it's the flu, I'm sick. It's February, 2019. I'm sick. I go in there and, the P, and the, there's a PA and she's like, you know what? I just think there's something else going on with you. You really need to go and get a CT scan. And, you know, I just started the year. This be, I have a high deductible. I don't want to go to the emergency room. It's going to cost me a heck of a lot of money because she can't authorize it. She's a PA. She has to have a doctor authorize it. The only way she kept telling me, go to the ER. I'm like, I don't want to go to the ER. It's going to cost me a ton of money. Well, I'm getting sicker and sicker, and I get home, and I can't keep food down. And she's really insistent. She calls my phone. She calls my dad's house phone, and then she calls my dad's cell phone. And by that point, I'm like, Dad, just take me to the ER. So we go to the ER, and they give me anti-nausea to keep me from throwing up because that's all I'm doing at this point. I can't keep food down. And I'm sitting in the ER with, with the nurse in there and she has dad come back. He'd been in the ER waiting room for like a couple hours. I said, so when am I going home now? And she says, oh, you're not going home. Why? You're We're admitting you. Why? Well, we'll have the surgeon explain that.
0: Surgeon? Yeah. So the surgeon was uh, Dr. Kumar. And I just have to pause you right there, because if anybody has been listening to this podcast, that name may ring a bell, because I know when Connie first told me that, we had this moment, and I thought, I I know that last name. Well, episode six, if you remember, and if you haven't listened yet, well, after this, go back and tune in to episode six, because in that episode, we heard from Kamalini Kumar. And it was her son that came to talk with Connie. I just get chills when I think of the connectedness of all of this, and just how God was weaving the story together. And and none of it's an accident. No, I know that God was uh, touching the PA,
1: being so insistent in pushing me because I didn't want to go. So that God was there watching over me. And then then I've got Doctor Kumar, which I had no idea you know, about that. So that was kind of cool. He sits, he says, well, you know, you've got a, uh, either a twisted bowel or a, a tumor and we need to do emergency surgery because I had built up so much fluid in there. My colon was going to burst if I had any more stuff in, in my colon. That's why they had to do it the next morning. And it was just kind of a, wow. Okay. So I, and he's telling me all the, all the things I can expect and, All right. So yeah, next morning he performs uh, surgery on me and he takes out a, I don't know, like pretty good sized tumor out. He told me it had been growing for about five years and he took it and had it sent off for biopsy. And when it comes back from the biopsy a week later, he tells me that it's cancerous and that he'd also taken some dark spots off of my liver and that that was cancerous too. Okay. And I thought, you know what? I just can't deal with this right now. I'm just going to try and heal from this surgery and we'll, we'll talk about that later. I'm just not even going to worry about it. I know that this is what, where God wants me to focus right now is just healing on this. So I went through the the healing from that surgery and I was fine. I was doing really good. I actually healed pretty well. And I I, I get referred to an oncologist and the week that I'm referred to the oncologist, I reconnect with someone from camp and his name is Brian. He was awesome. He committed to being with me through my entire cancer journey. So each of my chemotherapy treatments, he went with me to every single one of them. I ended up going to the hospital because I had a blood clot. I was in the hospital for 10 days. And of course, this is when we had, I'm still going through my divorce and uh, we had a divorce thing scheduled and I had to call my, my, my attorney and go, I can't come to the, to this thing that we've got scheduled I fully expected because my husband had been making everything hard. I left in July of 2017 and here it is. It's like April, 2019, and we're still going through divorce stuff. And amazingly, he came back with a a proposal that was acceptable and we were, we were done in a month. So that was awesome. In the hospital, we get this kind of covered up. I'm thinking, thank you for, you know. Getting that. So Brian was helping me through the blood clot thing, and one of his big things is he's he was asking everyone to pray for me. So I had him asking people to pray. I had people at church praying for me. I had my family. Wes is asking people here to pray for me. I just had a prayer army, and I believe that's what helped get me through all of that was going on. So they had started out saying you've got like twelve centimeter lesions and like some little foreign six centimeter lesions. All the little ones went away and all the big ones had gone into half. They got to that point and they said, okay, we think we think we can do surgery now. So once they decided to do surgery, oh, I want to go back to the prayer army for a second. I was watching the movie Breakthrough the other day and that kind of helped me think, yes, prayer is very magical. It's it's miracle. I mean, if you've seen the movie Breakthrough, you can see it's the this woman, she prays for her son and he comes back to life. And it's a, it's, This series of miracles throughout this and all related to prayer. And so that's why I believe my prayer army, you know, yes. (laughs) So they talk about, okay, we can take you up and you can do surgery at OHSU. So the surgeon, he said that he was going to cure me. And he had a whole panel of doctors looking at my stuff. He did the surgery. That was in October. Went through that. And my prayer army was there with me. I had a little complication where I had some fluid buildup and we had to do some stuff. And every, and I had so many visitors; it was awesome. Uh, OHSU was cool, and Bran was there with me through all of that. So he was he was really just a someone to lean on. It was great to have somebody just be committed and be there the whole time. They told me we did some residual chemo to make sure that there was if there was any little teeny little lesions, they were gone. Okay, and we we're going to do checkups quarterly. So the first quarterly checkup was fine, and that was in January. We had seen my mother for like Christmas. And we're trying to get her. She lives in, she was living in the Dallas. So Wes and I, and Wes, Wes and Lauren and the kids and I all went over and then we trekked over there to, to see if we could get mom to get signed up for some housing over here that she could afford with her current, with her social security and everything. And she was fine. She wasn't fine. And and all of a sudden we get this call in April that mom, she's she lives in the Dallas and she's in Eugene. And that was kind of a interesting, she was Incoherent and was having trouble. We thought maybe it was because her blood sugar was extremely high, and she hadn't. She didn't know she had body diabetes. She didn't really like go to the doctor or anything. She wasn't really taking care of herself. That was part of the reason why we wanted to move closer because then maybe she could. We could help take care of her and everything. Well, she's not herself, and so they send her to the ER and have her looked at, and they come back with that she's got a mass in her brain. So then they decide they're going to keep her there and they're going to do a biopsy and see what it is. It it was brain cancer. It was pretty aggressive. It's very possible that she was fine when we saw her in January. And then April, boom. I mean, it's just, it was that that kind of tumor. It was just bad. The, after they did the biopsy, they said, well, she needs to be 24-7 support. Thank goodness for COVID, I guess, because I'm I mean, working from home. Seven. This is, you know, a couple of weeks into it. I, I My last day at work was April 13th. I've been working from home ever since then. And West was kind of doing something similar. So between... Us here, my my brother Clayton, he lives in Los Angeles, so he, he was helping virtually. So when uh, Wes went to go clean out mom's apartment, uh, Clayton came up to help clean it out and everything, too. And we're just kind of all working in tandem together to get her stuff. There was a lot of technical, like her insurance and all of that stuff. It was just, uh, it was a mess. But I am so thankful that I got to spend that time with her because we kind of thought the way things were going She wasn't really taking care of herself. We were just going to hear one day that she was gone. This way, we got to spend time with her. So I I took the first shift. I I had her, and I was taking care of her, making sure she had her diabetes medicine and everything. And it was like taking care of an Alzheimer's patient. Her short-term memory was gone. Um, But there was definitely – she was still in there, and she was playing with me a little bit. And it was good to see her and spend that time with her. I I will remember that. That was always a blessing God gave us. That was nice. Uh, So I have – During the time I have mom, I have my second quarterly checkup and it comes back. Oh, your cancer's not gone. What I heard is that it came back. I wasn't listening to her, the doctor, when she told me I was taking care of mom and I was kind of distracted. And so I tell Wes, "Um, Wes, I cannot, I'm going to go through chemotherapy like I did this last time. I cannot do chemotherapy and take care of mom. You're going to have to take her. I'm, I'm sorry. He's like, no, that's totally valid. I totally get that. That's understandable. So he made room in his house. I, I kept her another week before I started chemotherapy. And then we transferred her over to West, And so they were taking care of her. And during this time, we're trying to get the insurance taken care of and get that. So we got everything all lined up. And we start giving her chemotherapy. And then she kind of, we had this outlook that it was just going to be scary for her because she's having trouble knowing what day it is mm-hmm. and, and keeping track of things currently. But she still needs to have this treatment. Mom, do you want this treatment? And each day, the answer seemed like it was different. But most of the time, it was, yes, let's do the treatment. Let's do the treatment. So we said, okay, we'll start with the these pills. So we we started giving her pills. Ashley, Wes, and Lauren were kind of managing that. And into that week, mom, she either had a heart attack or an aneurysm or something. She just, it went really fast. It was, it sounded like it was kind of scary. I wasn't there, but it was, it, it was hard. But What I see from that is the blessing that mom didn't have to go through all of that really hard sickness, not knowing what was going on with her, getting worse and worse. She didn't have to deteriorate in front of us, all of that pain and and suffering that she was kind of spared all that. And it's hard to say that, you know, mom passing, that was kind of a blessing, but I could see the other part being worse. So she was spared all that. And, and, and I, I kind of thank God that he did that for her.
0: I love that you said that because I've watched so many people go through the dying process with somebody they love. And I've watched the instant shock of death and the drawn out, long suffering of decades of dying. And no story is exactly the same. And every family has a different situation. And, and honestly, each person who's in the middle of that dying season maybe has a different wish. Some want as many days as possible. Others are just ready to go home to God. They're good. They're they're like, take me now. <laughs> and I think what you said is just so authentic because I do see the blessing in that. And And as a staff, we were praying for your mom all through this. Even those of us you know who had never met her, or really you know knew the whole family, but it was so apparent to us on the outside that this really was a gift from God, this really was a blessing, knowing everybody's current life situations and knowing just knowing all i mean he he knows all and and you got that beautiful time with her. And just like you said, that tunnel that everyone was facing and, and looking down was a pretty turbulent tunnel and for her to be spared that, and for for those of us that you know really hold on to the hope that her passing isn't just an end, it's the beginning that you have so much to celebrate and and really for anybody who is actually feeling a little bit of joy or a little bit of relief or a little bit of gratitude related to the death of a loved one, please don't feel guilty. There's no guilt in in feeling those things because I really truly believe that God has a perfect plan for everybody and he knows exactly how many days each person has and he didn't make a mistake with any of those. That can be really, really, really hard to come to terms with, but um, I just really appreciate, Connie, that you shared that, yeah, there was a blessing in this, even though it sounds funny to say and we can sort of catch ourselves going, maybe I shouldn't say that there was something good out of a death, but, but there was. And what a blessing that she had you and that you had her. I just think God really knew what he was doing. Yeah.
1: We had a memorial here for her. It was good... To say goodbye to her and know that she's in heaven because mom was a believer, which was good. In fact, I remember Wes saying during the memorial service that uh, he'd been talking to her pretty regularly, and she said, I don't know what to think about this, but I think I'm gonna pray. <laughs> so we knew that she was, you know, she's still connected to God. That's one of the things mom would do is like, I can't find my keys. Okay, dear Lord, please help me find my keys. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> yeah, I remember those little things. So then, I was then able to focus a little more clearly on my cancer journey, and I was just kind of frustrated. I'm like, well, how did this come back? Well, how did we not see this? What happened? She says, well, it was in your lymph nodes, and if we had seen that it was in your lymph nodes, we wouldn't have had the surgery. And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that we're going to give you chemotherapy until we can't give it to you anymore. Does that mean I have a limited lifespan? I'm like, I was asking her, how can we get rid of this? We're not going to. We're n- We're not. Yes, we're going to continue to give you chemotherapy until, until we can't give it to you anymore. Uh, so what are we talking here? I mean, you're limiting my lifespan. Yeah. So is it like, what, five years, 40 years? Well, she said, well, 40 years would be very optimistic. Mm, Ten might be good. Five is more reasonable. It could be as low as two. You're telling me I have two to five years to live? Yeah, and that kind of hit me hard because I actually heard what she said this time. Like, oh, wow. But what's really cool is that Right after that, I do my Bible plans, and I have a Hope in the Dark Bible plan that I was doing at the time. And I think the the message in that was timely. God does everything in good timing. When you accept what is what God is doing, you don't simply stuff your feelings down and let your heart die, even if you're practicing your smile in the mirror and memorizing Bible verses. When you accept that God's up to something that you can't see or understand right now, You don't roll over and play dead and resign yourself to despair. No. You keep praying for a miracle from him unless he tells you otherwise. But you don't pretend that everything is okay when clearly it's not. Sometime, something is going to happen that you don't like. It may be happening right now. You remember what God has done, you accept what God is doing, you trust what God is going to do. God, I don't understand what's going on, but I accept somehow you are in control. This is the day after. I get told that I'm terminal and it's like, wow. So then what I decided to do was I'm going to tell the people who are the most important to me. So, you know, I'm telling my brothers, I can't tell my dad. It's really hard for me to tell my dad because he's, he's very inquisitive and he'll want to ask a lot of questions and he would just put a lot of pressure on me where I couldn't answer him. So Dr. O'Brien says, well, I can do a zoom meeting. You can invite all your brothers and your dad and we can, I can tell them all together and that way he can ask all the questions he wants. Perfect. Let's do that. So I know for about 10 days, and I I kind of prepared, Wes, you might need to, you know, help Dad not be overreactive. You know, he's, he's good about that. You know, okay. You know, he, he has to deal with issues every day. <laughs> and it's funny, Dad didn't really have a lot of questions. Dr. Brown was really good about answering them all before he could ask them. then he tells me later, next time you have news like this, you tell me first. <laughs> I thought, When am I going to have news like that (laughs) (laughs) So I have that. And then I I was really kind of struggling with that. I was like, really? We got through this. I thought this was cured. This was done. Why? What am I going through again? I don't understand. And so I love to listen to Hope 107.9. It's one of my favorite radio stations, and I'm having questions, and he's answering them. And the two songs that I really feel like he was doing well was Unspoken Reason. And if you look at the video in there, it's really cool. It's a nice little inspiring video where she's, like, trying to fly, and then they all kind of get together and do flying together with the balloons and stuff. And then my and then Brian pointed out, what about uh, Thy Will by Hillary mm-hmm. Scott? And I love the story behind that where, you know, it's just a very tragic time for her, but she's like, I don't understand why this has come to me, but it's your will. So I keep getting that. It's, it's God's will. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. And the love for him is the reason. So hopefully I can get there. So I decided, okay. I told all my friends that were really important to me. I, my divorce care group, we got this a great bunch of people that we get together and do things with together. And they're just very supportive in everything that happens with us. We've been doing this for two years and we keep adding people to our group and everything. And everybody who wants to be involved, we we support them and no matter what it is. So I'm telling them, okay, I've got cancer, but darn it, I don't care what they say that I've only got this short period of time. I feel like I've got you know, 20 years in me. I can do this. I'm not going to sit there and lie down and let life just roll over me. No, I'm going to live life to the fullest. I'm going to do everything I can to do that. So some of my friends were helping with that. I've gone on a couple of trips already. We went to Mount Rushmore to see Clayton. We went to see um, the Grand Canyon. We went through uh, Las Vegas. We did a nice little uh, helicopter ride. And so I've been doing some great stuff. I, i Clayton calls it by bucket list stuff, you know, and am so like, okay, we'll do bucket list stuff. Just, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I, I even, I'm not a bungee jumper, but my, one of my friends says, oh, we'll, we'll go to, uh, Mount Hood Adventure Park and I want to do bungee jumping. Okay. I'll do <laughs> bungee jumping with you, which, uh, if you, yeah, I have a video and I screamed my ever-loving head off, but still, I had fun. <laughs> I've been doing stuff. I'm living life to the fullest. So I'm making memories. I'm being intentional about spending personal time with people that matter to me. And even if I don't, if they if they get more stuff cuz I'm on the list from OHSU to get treatments that are coming out that are experimental and things like that. They could find something that could cure it. You never know. I, I could be it could be that. If so if I if I do live, then I'll still have these great memories and it won't be it's not waste it's not a waste. It's I just don't want people to treat me like I'm broken like I'm, I'm I am broken but I'm not a piece of glass. I'm not going to fall apart. Don't look at me like I'm dying tomorrow. I'm not. I'm. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself. I'm I'm living life, and that's what I would encourage anyone who's going through something like this. Don't lay down and let the steamroller go over you. There's no reason to. God wants us to be hopeful and do it. Grab life by the horns and do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm the one sitting here with my eyes welling up, and then uh, Connie is sitting here. Faced with a terminal diagnosis with the most energy and spunk in her voice ever. And I think she could keep going. <laughs> but it is very inspiring and it is very encouraging to just hear the joy that's in your voice. And that doesn't mean you don't have hard days. And it doesn't mean that you're smiling every minute. So if you're in the middle of, Just maybe the hardest chapter of your life. I think the encouragement is to, you know, find that joy, hold on to that hope, live the life. But it's okay when it's hard. It's okay when you have those moments that you're just ready to break down and you can't muster up a smile sometimes. One of the things you talked about was the support of your friend. And I think a lot of us have people in our lives that are battling cancer or maybe battling other really really hard things. And some of us feel sort of helpless. What do what do we do? How can we be helpful? What do we say? What don't we say? It's even more complicated when you're trying to be helpful and supportive during the pandemic when I mean honestly for a lot of us our knee-jerk reaction is to just go give somebody a hug and and spend time with them and we're pretty much told not to do that. So
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) But I I was hoping, you know, I think you've spoken so much about just sort of the hope and encouragement for people facing cancer or facing a trauma or a tragedy or a, you know, uphill battle. But what about those that that maybe aren't, but they're they're wanting to support their loved ones? What what can they do? What can they what can they say? What what else did people do um, for you that really made all the difference?
1: So after I um, was going back to church and stuff, um, and my divorce was getting dragging out and everything, I moved out. I had only lived in my apartment for a year, so then I had to move it back in with my parents, which was – I was kind of depressed about that because <laughs> I'm like, here I have all this freedom, and now I have to go back to this little teeny little fifth wheel over at my parents' house. But it, they are so awesome and their support and just, you know, whatever you need, we'll, we're here for you. And my friends have been like that too. I specifically have a friend in my apartment complex, Misty. She, she's, uh, we walk every day. She's a great encouragement, somebody to talk to, somebody to, um, they told me that fatigue is really hard to battle, but believe it or not, exercise is supposed to help with that, which is, it's counterintuitive because why do I want to expend energy that I, I don't have? but walking 30 minutes with Misty every day really you know and then she was like let's you want to go Mount Rushmore let's go to Mount Rushmore and she's just been encouraging like that and some of my other friends i want to spend time with you come over to my house and stay the night and we'll we'll do crafting all night long or we'll we'll put puzzles together i just think don't treat me like i'm going to break just i'm still here some people are more private about their pain i i feel like prayer is the best thing for me well, I have friends who told me that they, they pray for a miracle that the cancer will be re- eradicated from, for me, every single cell. I, that's the prayer I want everyone to, to pray for me. Yes. I want, that's, that's what I would ask. You want to help me? Pray for me. That's for me. Other people are going to be more private about their pain and stuff, but I, I just feel like the more people praying for me, the more
0: God hears that and the, the chance of me being cured is upped. To- oh, well, Connie, we're going to do that. And we're going to do that right now. And for anybody who's listening, I mean, this isn't live. So everybody who listens is going to be listening to this at a slightly different time. And so that really just means that from this point forward, at any given moment that you are going through your day, Connie, there may be somebody on the other end of my voice (laughs) listening and praying this along with us at, at that moment. And for those listening, I just, I want to encourage you that there's so many different ways. To pray for somebody, you uh, might think about Connie in the middle of the day and go, Jesus, I pray for Connie. Mm -hmm. You might have a moment where you're going to spend half the day fasting and then on your face in a two hour prayer. You might be praying silently. You might be yelling. You might be praising. It might be on your knees. It might be while you're walking or driving. Or maybe you're just copying what I say and you're just agreeing with it. Or maybe you've thought of your own. There's there's just no end to the to the style and the way that we can talk to god um, on behalf of of a sister whether you've ever met me whether you've ever met connie i i love what you said and i think it kind of comes back to prayers over privacy and and so um right now ladies who are listening we're going to pray for connie lord thank you Thank you for the life that you have given Connie. Thank you for the time that you have been with her. Thank you that you are above all things. And i just reminded of so many lyrics within so many songs. And, and music is just such a beautiful way to speak to you. The lyric I'm thinking of is, All sin and sickness bow to the name of Jesus. There's nothing over us that isn't under you. And while we might not understand your timing or what you allow in our lives, Connie and I have walked with you enough to know that you have moved mountains before, and we believe that you'll do it again. So would you move this mountain? (laughs) Lord, would you heal each and every cell in her body? You make things new. You are the creator of all life and the healer of all sickness and all disease. And we're so grateful for medicine, and we're so grateful for doctors and technology and the things that we have available for us, and the things that you have available for Connie. God, God if it is your will, thy will be done. If it is your will, Lord, would the doctors call tomorrow with a new treatment, with joy, with optimism, with excitement with something to try and and while she's in the midst of chemotherapy jesus would you just protect her from side effects and would you protect her immune system as we are at the time of this recording we are still in the middle of covid life um would you protect her put a wall around her that just while she's living her life and and not living in fear lord would you would you honor that would you just protect her from all of the dangers um, Everything that comes alongside a cancer journey, just hold her in the shadow of your wings. Just hug her that she would feel your strength, knowing that you have this completely in your control, that you have not forgotten her, and that you are able. God, we we pray for that miracle. Just a complete, mind-blowing, medical miracle. Pray this, Lord, coming boldly to your throne, because we can, because you paved a way, asking you for complete health, for the cancer to be gone in the name of Jesus. And we pray this is your will. Thy will be done. Amen. Amen. Well, Connie, I have a surprise for you. I do. (laughs) I do. You mentioned the song, Thy Will Be Done. And we have um, some pretty talented musicians that are part of the Calvary Mack family. Oh, yeah. And they're going, to, they're going to sing Thy Will Be Done for you.
2: Oh, awesome!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, here's McKenna Carlson on the keyboard and Abby Pearson with the vocals of Thy Will.
2: I'm so confused
0: Thank you so much, Abby and McKenna. That was amazing and beautiful. And I can see how much that meant to Connie. What a perfect way to end this episode. And I hope that the lyrics in this song really touched everybody listening, no matter no matter what you're going through. Connie, I wanted to thank you for being here. And if you don't mind, just as in our, our grand finale here, would you give a quick prayer for anybody who's in the middle of cancer right now?
1: I know personally that there's some friends, Dan fellows, has been diagnosed recently with cancer, and that's that's someone that's close to me and Wes's family. So I'm gonna definitely reach out personally for Dan to be healed as well. Dear Heavenly Father, please watch over all of your family that is currently going through a medical struggle. Help them understand that even though they're going through this, that they still have people who are supportive, and that. You are there for them no matter what. No matter what they're going through, they can reach out and touch you, and you can hold their hand and guide them through this process. Help them seek wisdom and uh, knowledge from you on the choices they have to make, the hard decisions that have to be made. Please help bless Dan Bellows that he will be healed from this cancer that he has. And we pray this all in your
0: name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much Connie. I know that every prayer is amazing. I appreciate every single prayer, but there's just something really special when somebody is praying for me who has been through exactly what I've been through. And I know that if there's anyone listening right now who is in the middle of chemo or who just got a diagnosis or who maybe has been in the cancer battle for years to hear you praying for them knowing that you get it. There's just something there's just something really special and profound about that. So Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable and open and just authentic to what's going on right now in your life. And just for the, just the inspiration to hear the joy in your voice. And for everybody who's listening, thank you for joining us for this episode. We hope you were inspired. We hope you feel blessed. And we hope you come back next week for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com women.